Welcome back to another episode of the Development by David podcast. And this week, my guest is the amazing Mo Samuels. Mo Samuels is a really rare fitness influencer from England. He suffers a condition called lymphedema, but that's not stopped him. He's amassed over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, sharing very raw, very honest fitness content in light of his condition. Mo is an absolute eclectic soul. You may have seen some of his transformation videos online. He is a really, really authentic content creator. I've followed him since being a teenager. It was amazing to have him come on the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please stick around to the end and do what you can to share this episode. Hit five stars, hit subscribe and share in a group chat. People like you help grow this podcast. I wish more people would share it. It would mean the world to me. But I love you guys. Thanks for sticking around. I really hope you enjoy this episode with the amazing fitness fanatic Mo Samuels. And this episode is fueled by Two Birds Drinks and Two Birds Fitness. Kill two birds with one stone. Two Birds Drinks, a canned coffee and iced tea brand out of Glasgow, aims to give you an organic caffeine high paralleled with the vitamins and nutrients your body needs in a one-dose hit. If you fancy this, if you're bored of your usual Nescafe coffee or Aldi own brand, use code DBYD for 15% off at checkout. DBYD at Two Birds drinks.co.uk they're such a cool independent wellness brand i love seeing their products in stores near me in the west end of glasgow i'm sure you've seen their cans too please check them out at twobirdsdrinks.co.uk and check out their gym in glasgow two birds fitness thank you for sponsoring this episode mo samuels welcome to the development by david podcast how are you mate what is happening, mate? I'm absolutely fantastic. My heart rate is slightly elevated because I've just ran from skydiving straight into this podcast in my office. So apologies for being late, mate. Mate, when you told me you were skydiving today, it made me think of what the first question I wanted to ask you. And it was, what is the typical day in the life of Mo Samuels if one exists? Okay, I would say the typical day in the life of Mo Samuels is very mundane and not as exciting as you might think it would be. I, I kind of spend the average day, right? If all things go well, I'm prioritizing sleep at the minute. But if all things go well, I'll get up about 7.30. I'd love to say like 5, 5.30, but nah. <laughs> I get up about 7.30, uh, read, obviously I'll shower, read, meditate, um, get a few steps and go for a little walk. And then I'll be, majority of the day, I'll be at my laptop um doing work uh kind of admin stuff planning um editing uh recording videos uh which i, I would say makes up the majority majority of my day is kind of like office based stuff but i can do that from anywhere which is quite cool so i will take time off i will work from abroad um and then yeah the main thing it, like my lifestyle gives me is just flexibility you know how would you introduce yourself if i were to ask you who is most samuels today in 2023 I'm just a man that's looking to pursue something meaningful that will have a positive impact on myself and others. And I feel like has meaning. Um, I go to the gym. I like to enjoy life. I like to grow and improve. It's literally it, like physically, mentally. Um, I'm all about trying new things, peak experiences, uh, and then just pushing outside myself outside my comfort zone to become better and just to improve my reality, basically. Like, it's it's a difficult one. The question is so broad. Um, and I'm not on some, like, altruistic quest to single-handedly better the world, you know? Um, I feel like 
a lot of the time I just want my existence and the, those around me to be better. And I just document what I do. And the fact that people sometimes take something from that is, is fantastic. And then obviously there's that part where I want to have an impact as well, but yeah. You know what I love about that man is like when I ask that question, it's delib deliberately vague and deliberately open because mm. I like to see how different people introduce themselves. And a lot of people who are perhaps in the business world or, are quite egotistical will say like their titles like oh i'm a ceo mm. of x or i am scotland's richest man or i am uh the ceo of sony music for example and that's not who they are it's what they are yeah Whereas you introduce yourself as who you are like your legacy mm. the kind of dent that you want to leave on the universe and people might from the outside in see you online and think you're quite like egotistical or confident or whatever else in between <laughs> but the fact that you introduce yourself in such a profound like societal conscious way it was actually quite refreshing man thank you very much dude and i am i am egotistical 100 <laughs> um they're, they're definitely egotistical um but I'm, i try to be as aware of it as possible you know like i think that's that's the main thing if you're unaware and oblivious to it then then it causes problems but if you kind of feel like okay yeah i'm a bit egotistical um <laughs> yeah i mean it can be used as a tool in certain environments as well I mean, you've got your, you've got where you are, like over a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers, mm. millions of plays for leaning in and like weaponizing that ego in the right way. Yeah. So I was saying to you before we hit record, uh, like I feel like you're like a virtual friend because much like your other subscribers, I've watched you for maybe like six or seven years, and when yeah. I was saying. When I had booked this in with you, mate, I was saying to my old gym partner who doesn't, or gym buddy who doesn't go to the gym anymore, I oh, remember that mole guy that we used to watch in your <sighs> your mom's living room, like the transformational videos, like he's coming on the podcast and he was like more impressed by that than like any of the other guests I've had on because it was so relatable to him because he also watched a lot of those videos. And you must get that quite a lot, mate. Like when you hear those testimonies of people saying, oh, I've followed you for four or five years and they almost like congratulate milestones alongside you. How does that make you feel, man? Oh, bro, it's, it's so cool. It's, it's one of the reasons that I like, I keep doing social media or keep pushing it and trying to uh, trying to grow and wanting to do more of it. Like one of times where I've wanted to quit or be like, oh, I've done this for so long, I'm kind of over it, you know, and what maybe things aren't going my way. It's like the the fact that I can meet people. And they I always say like half of the interaction is already there, or half of the relationship is already there when you when you know someone that's on when you know someone online that shares their actual life their real life and you follow them for any period of time i i feel like the same thing as well when i watch people online it's almost as if half of that friendship is already there if that makes sense so it's so cool that you can i can meet someone i've never met before so if they followed me for a few years or they just follow me generally on YouTube. YouTube's a specific one because YouTube, you really get to know a person, I think, or podcasts like like this as well. And then it's like, we just click or we can just have a, have a conversation straight away or we can spend a day together uh, or spend a few hours together or do something. And it's like, that connection is already there. And it's so cool, man. It's so, so cool to have that. So fucking cool. It's awesome, man. Um, one thing that dragged me into absorbing your content five, six, seven years ago when I first started my gym, Mm. Uh, transformation uh, was your online transformation videos like yeah. you always showed like a starting point usually um kind of exemplifying your your condition and how like that riddled you at times and how you'd bounce back from that and transformed your physique into mm -hmm. something that was bigger leaner stronger more shredded and more aesthetic to 
to girls, right? Yeah. But what one thing that I wanted to use this podcast for, man, is like not showing because you've showed the the physical transformation, mm-hmm. uh, like so so promptly and so uh, available online. I want to show like your kind of mental transformation or your kind of character transformation. So, in line with that, man, I'd like to take it back to the beginning. Like, what were you like as a as a kid? Uh, how, wow, I was a little shit, basically, like, (laughs) um, like, kind of in school, I think I would, I would get stuff done, like I would do fairly well academically, um, but I would also misbehave and get in a lot of trouble for misbehaving, or I'd be like, uh, I wouldn't say so much the class clown if I was like really, really young, but I'd just be like, disruptive and hyperactive um when i was younger i was told i have adhd um when i was much younger i was diagnosed with adhd uh, i was never on medication or anything and the extent of it like i think every man or the majority of men you know what i mean especially when they're younger like yeah you have adhd probably could be diagnosed with adhd but that kind of summarizes my childhood you know um but but even though even though like i i did mess around and i did get in a lot of trouble i kind of grew out of it as i got older like into later years of school i did I would always put the work in where it mattered, like exams and other things. Like I, I really, really worked fucking hard when I was like, especially when I was getting like 16, 17, 18, like would really, really revise a lot. Um, I'd have my fun, but then I'd also slave away to a, to a revision book. If I remember rightly, correct me if I'm wrong, you went on to study marine biology yes. uh, at university in Plymouth? Yes. Am I recalling that correctly? Okay, that's... Yeah, marine, marine, marine biology and oceanography, so same thing. Just a little bit of a sprinkle of <laughs> pizzazz on it. I like it. Um, like that's a very untraditional route for like a kind of young man. Uh, what made you choose that, man? Well, ever since I was a, I was a child, I just had this like fetish over sea creatures (laughs) 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 just the sight of a fish like jesus christ no um and so this is gonna be a bit of a long story basically um i'll try and condense it so i um there was many things that i wanted to be like there's a few career paths when i was younger that obviously everyone goes through phases of wanting to do different things I i was interested in studying medicine um, I was interested in uh, joining the military, the Marines. Um, that's something I wanted to do because I had a few friends that did that. Um, but due to my leg, I never thought I'd be able to handle the hours on my feet as a doctor, like in the in the training. So the condition I have in my leg, lymphedema, I can't stand up for long periods of time or it swells up. So that was kind of out of the question. Um, the whole Marines, military thing, I wouldn't get past the medical. Absolutely no chance of that was out of the question as well. And then that just kind of left um, me having to, I don't know, just lean into something that I enjoyed and something that I was able to do. So I had this idea that I would go and film like BBC type documentaries, like specifically Blue Planet. So I started on a path to get the skill set that would enable me to become an underwater cinematographer. Um, I noticed that a lot of the guys on the who were working in that area or on on things like Blue Planet had a science science based background. Um, as well as being videographers. So when I was younger, I've always been into filmmaking, like since I was around probably what, eight, nine, ten. I had my first camera and started making these stupid videos. Uh, so I've always enjoyed that. Made surfing videos growing up, made like jackass, like stupid jackass videos growing up. Um, all kinds of things, man. So I've always loved that filmmaking aspect. And that's kind of something I could like 
maybe drove me down that path. I'm, I've grew up in Cornwall as well. So surfing was like pretty much the only thing that I did um, down there. Like as a kid, uh, I used to surf like every day after school, go in the sea, used to be in the surf club, used to do all kinds of stuff. So that kind of, I guess that upbringing or childhood led me to led me to the decision to pursue underwater cinematography. And I was good at science as well. That was kind of my thing. That like, was pretty rubbish at maths, but I was very good at science. So I, yeah, started, went to university, um, found the best one I could, which was the University of Plymouth. We have a very good marine sciences department, managed to get the grades for that. And then I completed a degree in marine biology and oceanography. And then whilst I was doing that in the term time, I always get mixed up in the summertime when I was off uni, I would go up to London and work on films to get experience in the film industry. And, uh, and yeah, I also do commercial diving as well, kind of as like a part-time job just to build up that skill set to to get me to a place where I could do underwater cinematography and uh yeah <laughs> I've got so many like golden threads I want to pull on I yeah, guess yeah yeah I'm playing like post it note rain um mm. when choosing marine biology like how supportive was your like your, your mum for example when choosing that Did, could she understand like how rewarding of a career that was for you um because it doesn't really sound like a sensible route for like a normal kid like going to <sighs> law or be an accountant or be like working in an office you know my mum has always been incredibly liberal in terms of letting me do like whatever the fuck that i want not not, not so much uh not so much as a child like she'd obviously discipline me and i wouldn't just let me run around naked like a crazy person but um she's she's never been like oh you have to do this this or this and I don't know. I think I was the first person in my family to go to university as well. So she was probably just happy for the fact that I was going to university. And also, come on, marine biology, it's like STEM, like science, technology, engineering, maths, isn't it? Is that, yeah, it's, it's something that's, that, that's uh, on paper, like a, a bachelor of science or a scientific degree, or if you did a doctorate, or is, is a good, a good thing to have. So she was, she was pretty supportive of it. But I've, I've always been very independent as well. You know, it's not like, because um I, i've not come from money or i've not come from we were like my, i grew up with a single mum, and then she had my two twin sisters um and then she's always raised like three of us by herself we've never had a lot of i've not I've never had a lot of money so i've never like relied on anyone for anything per se like obviously i supported like by my mum and my dad although they're divorced like, i'd still doing stuff with them but it's not like they would they would invest a lot or be able to invest tens of thousands of pounds in my education or, or courses or anything like that so because i think i feel like i've worked since i was what 12 13 with my dad and then worked when i was 15 um in restaurants etc etc i've just kind of been very independent financially and then independent in the decisions that i'm making and my, my parents have just been supportive uh every step of the way really and my dad also was the person that got me into surfing and other things so he was very like very keen for me to do marine biology or something like that so he's probably very supportive of it man do you think your uh kind of socioeconomic or your kind of financial background is why you're so like hard working and willing to do what others want i'm not sure we were speaking about chris williamson before we hit record mm. um he has this clip from rogan where he talks about something called the region beta paradox have you seen that clip is it about you tell me he says we're basically when things are the essential analogy is like when things are harder for you mm. they are better because it's forcing you to make a it forces you to make a change 
Yeah. Um, I think the analogy you use is if, if you were to travel a mile, you would walk it. But if you were to travel two miles, you would drive it. So the, the harder distance actually encourages you to take an easier route or a quicker route or a, a more accelerated route. Yeah. Um, so essentially the concept is it's better when things are harder because it forces you to make a, a more profound change. And because perhaps you come from a background that um, doesn't have much money, you're a single parent family, you're maybe an older brother to two sisters, perhaps I'm making an assumption that that's why you are so hardworking uh, because you've come from, you know what like having no money looks like or feels like or the lack of support maybe feels or look like in terms of financial support. Mm. I'm, I'm just curious to know whether that's manifested itself into like a, I don't know, a, a fear of financial insecurity or has prompted you to work harder. Certainly, I'd say it's it's probably the predominant factor in in that. Um, you know, people that don't come from much they they want to do quite well, and I feel like when you have when you have everything or when you're in a very comfortable position in life, there's there's no catalyst for growth. There's no reason uh, that you want to change. It's like the, for example, I kind of see it in Conor McGregor, you know, like he came up, he was fucking ruthless. Like he was thirsty, he was hungry. And then he gets to the point where he's like, got the multi hundred million dollar house, the Lamborghini yacht. He sleeps in his like soft cotton sheets. And is he going to be at the gym at 4am every day when it's freezing cold, like training his ass off when he doesn't want to be there and he's got a family at home and like a, a fire going and like a chef cooking meals for him? Probably not, man. Probably not. It's it's like the, um. there's, there's another analogy. I can't remember it, but it's, it's like, if you you like the the whole rocky kind of boxer like coming from nothing you know is is uh, like they they haven't got shit they want to make a name for themselves they want to they want their life to change they're like running through the rain and the freezing cold like in the pitch black and it's like because they're so desperate to change their environment or to to change the circumstances that they find themselves in and i feel like if you're sleeping on those fresh linen sheets you just don't have that same drive or mentality or it's very you can do but it's very it's difficult to get that because even even now man i found like i would pull some crazy hours like i would pull some i find that getting comfortable and getting complacent it, it can very easily be the killer of those dreams that you might still have do you know what i mean you get close to where you want to be and then you get a bit of comfort you get a bit of complacency and then you kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit because you're like oh this is nice oh this is nice and then when reality you need to keep it firm down and just be realistic about your your situation where you want to be one thing that i found a lot of uh comfort in mate when watching your stuff mm. was like you're a couple of years older than me and when i started watching your stuff you're just a university student you didn't have many followers at the time yeah uh, you would document like going to university, prepping your meals, going to the gym. And it wasn't like a kind of million dollar success story for me to watch. It was something that was actually more improved than my quality of life. It was more aspirational than what I was doing, but yeah. it wasn't too far away. It wasn't like out of reach. Okay, So yeah, it was yeah. so relatable to see like a role model so close to home. It was like yeah. close to my age group. It wasn't like, I don't know, Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. I wasn't watching those kind of motivational videos. I was watching someone who was like one or two rungs above me. And I found mm. that incredibly useful. Um, 
Yeah, man. I, 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 I see what you mean. And it's like similar to a lot of content that I used to watch. So I would watch a guy when I, before I made YouTube videos called Sean Thompson, and he would literally do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, you've just opened up Endora's box. What happened to that guy? Uh, apparently, so this is a funny story, actually. I don't know. I might be spreading fake news. Uh, but he was like Gymshark's first athlete, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. But my ex-girlfriend was actually friends of him from school. Um, so they knew each other. And I, I don't know if I'm making this up. They were definitely friends. Um, they definitely like chatted. But I can't remember if I've come to this conclusion or she told me this. But, or I read it somewhere online. But I believe he took a lot of psychedelic drugs and kind of went west and had a complete 360 on what he wanted to do. I think that's something about as well. Because he like shaved his head and then he, I, I looked him up on Facebook. And then he was like living a completely different life, not doing anything on social media. Um, I think maybe because I don't know if he wasn't happy with where he was physically as well, because he was natural and he felt like Brad's always wanted more. God knows. That oh man, his uh, rise to fame was nuts. Like he was so young as well. He was at university as well. Yeah, he was yeah. making those videos and like you said, first Gymshark athlete, hundreds of thousands of views. He was like the the very first fitness vlogger, if, if I remember rightly, that I remember consuming at least. Yeah, man. Um. No wonder it went to his head because he's not had those role models before him to like to advise him or to like find even like digital solace and by consuming I, their content. I, I don't I don't know if it went to his head per se because I think you, when you say to your if I, if someone says to me went to his head I think like he's become like really egotistical about it. I don't know about that. Um, but, but maybe he just it was under a lot of stress. Um, I know there's some, some controversies as well. Like I think he smoked a joint. Or something, uh, in and then Jim Shark were not happy about it. Um, and then he, I think, I don't know if he was dropped by Jim Shark or whatever, but yeah, God knows, man. God knows, man. How did you start to deal with like your rapid increase in following? I think, if I remember rightly, like the Amigo videos and the transformation videos that you supposed like garnered so many thousands of views that probably translated yeah. into loads of subscribers and followers. How did you deal with that, mate? I've I've remained level-headed and humble by having an insatiable appetite that nothing is ever good enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't feel like I've done shit. Um, in, in, in terms of, like, I, I do. Like, I love my life. My life is absolutely fantastic. But, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, man. It's, it's, I don't really... I, I always think I can do more, um, whether it's a, a good thing or a bad thing. Like I think there's like so much more that I could do, like so many more followers that I could gain. I'm like, okay, like I don't even have a million on this. Like I've got, I've got friends with millions of followers. It's like one, one at this point. So it's almost like I don't stop to reflect on the successes that I've had, um, or, or or I kind of I, I don't meditate on the successes that I've had i'm not like yes i've I've done it i'm stopped now it's the the hedonic treadmill of onto another goal onto a onto another thing so so yeah man and the other thing is like it just feels like what people say in terms of getting to a certain place and nothing changing it is so true like surely like that well sure superficial things in your life can change um like you make more money you can live a bit more comfortably you can order more takeaways you can buy things online without having to worry about the cost of things but ultimately for me, anyway, everything still feels the same. It still feels the same. I still get joy and fulfillment from the same things. So I completely forgot about the question that I'm answering. <laughs> How do so, you deal uh, with the, the the following and the subscribers and the rapid? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, um, so I would I would say that it's 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 not like I don't look at and think I've got a lot of 
a lot. Does that make sense? Does, yeah, that, yeah. does that make sense? Um, and also, it doesn't to me. It doesn't seem rapid. Like I've been making videos for what, like if if we inc- I've been doing it. If we include my ch- first time I picked up a camera for twenty years, basically when I was eight. Well, no, well not that long. Let's say eighteen years. Um, if I started when I was eight, I'm twenty seven now. So like that's a long time to make videos, man. And then if you factor in the amount of time I've actually made videos on my main channel, maybe what eight nine years um, or eight years, that that's still a long time so the growth feels pretty pretty slow and it is it does feel very superficial in fact it's a number on a screen that's like i don't relate it to to real life or a real form of value currency do you remember a single moment or the first moment where you thought oh my fruits of the fruits of my labor have actually paid off uh, where you were maybe invited somewhere or you got sent a certain product or you met a certain person you remember the first time you're like holy shit this is actually taking off oh, there's there's a there's different milestones um yeah there's different milestones one of them was probably when i trained with labumba for the first oh, time man, i remember that I'm guy good, i'm good mates with labumba man I'm, I'm good like he's one of my closest friends now but like he had ten thousand followers on instagram and i was like holy shit this guy's the fucking real deal and then <laughs> i went and trained with him and was like fuck like He's famous, mate. I've just trained with a famous person. Like one day it's gonna be me. And uh and yeah, that that was quite funny because obviously it's it's so um it's it's just you know what I mean it isn't it isn't shit in the grand scheme of things. And uh that's pretty funny. And then the other one was maybe or a big one for me was when I first went to an expo of Gymshark. Like that was pretty crazy. Um, because I kind of had that dream. I, I always wanted to be sponsored by Gymshark. And then I got it. I was like, yeah, fucking sick. Or, or kind of around that time as I was, I was with the crew. I would say, dude, the the body power. Um, when I went with Gymshark for the first time, and like I met everyone that I'd watched on YouTube. Like I met David Laid, I met like Lex Griffin, I met like Matt Ogus and kind of all those guys and hung out with them for the day and went for a big meal with them. Like that was pretty that was pretty crazy to me. I was like, holy shit, I'm actually managing to dip my toe into this world that I've always just watched online, you know, like these people are just like from another continent. And I like watching their YouTube videos and now they're like in front of me and I'm actually doing stuff and people are grouping me or recognizing me with this group of individuals. And to me, that was just absolutely insane. That is sick, mate. I remember watching those videos. I remember watching videos of you flying out to America and training with people like David Lade and stuff as well, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah. I stay at Dave's house. That's mad. I was saying to Rob Lipset when he was on the podcast, I know you guys are friends. Yeah. Like, there's that, uh, that quote around of, what is it? Work so hard that your idols become your rivals, and me and him, yeah. like, that's that's bullshit. Like work so hard so your idols become your mates. And Hell yeah! Like that's like the coldest thing that you can do. Like as a as a young man, is like befriend your mates through your talent and skill and hard work. A hundred percent. your mates. Befriend your idols. Sorry. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I A hundred percent, dude. Uh, I I feel like. I, something something that I've learned as well by doing this is as cliche as it is. I truly believe that anything is possible in terms of like no no matter how out of reach it seems no matter how ridiculous like if you put your mind to it and put enough time into it like you will get there you will be able to do it it's like what are the what are the chances that some guy from some some like partially crippled boy from some small town in the middle of Cornwall with a population of I don't know I think it's a bit bigger now but it was like 30,000 30,000 people like spread out so, like this absolutely dead in winter 
what are the chances that he can go and link up with all of these massive superstars to him that he watches online on the internet um, and then become like part of that group or part of that part of that tribe you know it's like and then then that actually happens and you're just like fuck it's like like what else can i do i think that's a big one like if, if you're willing to willing to put the hours in like you can do fucking anything man I, I i believe that a lot like one of the things i write down or say to myself every morning as an affirmation is everything is accessible to me anything is accessible to me and mm. that does sound like like what you're saying and what i'm saying like kind of almost disillusional like it, it, it can be seen as like narcissistic and um disillusional but i think it's healthy disillusion like if i'm gonna be disillusioned by something i'd rather it be like positive and optimistic opposed to like being disillusioned by the thought of oh i'm just a nobody um there's seven million seven billion people in this world i don't really matter but like some people really think that way like what does it matter there's seven billion people in the world but it seems like you and i share a belief where like we're disillusioned by something positive like everything's accessible to me i can do whatever i put my mind to in in everything dude there there has to be a constant supply of new people in whatever field whatever it is like people are always getting recycled you know people grow old and die we are not immortal so there's always going to be opportunities like you can say oh this industry is so saturated or all oh, this and that and that and that but then there is always going to be new people coming in and it is the the people that have the mindset that they that they can do it and that it is possible that are going to be the people that occupy those spaces where do you think that mindset came for you in that case? Maybe ego being a bit of it. Um, ego, smaller wins, kind of building up to that in terms of, you know, like like I said, the whole, um, yeah, just smaller wins, meeting more and more people. Um, yeah, man. Maybe having no, no other option, like the like not having that mindset and yeah. being faced with a grim reality, like not being able to accept that caused me to cultivate that, you know, like not being able to accept that I'm not going to be working some shitty ass dishwashing job for the rest of my life, making five pounds an hour and then becoming disabled because I'm on my feet for so long. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder how much of like your condition with your leg has maybe accelerated that because you know that there was a high chance that you maybe couldn't walk if you didn't treat it properly. Mm. Um, like your condition can be debilitating to some people, and it seems like you've understood that and just like just life to the max. Because I see you on like skydiving, jumping off cliffs. Um, mm. I think you got like a motorbike license at one point. Um, like you're like a a monkey on a unicycle with symbols like uniquely all these things are like entertaining but they're not that special <laughs> but when you put them together they're fucking wild yeah and that's what you you kind of are and i've that's said that funny. to some previous guests but i think that's what you're like you yeah it uh, and it seems like that may have stemmed from because you, you're like perhaps 100 percent. the the leg stuff is definitely like yeah, the, the 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 everything about my adult life has been determined by that. Like, it's a very deliberate choice. Like, I know that I couldn't work a normal job. I know that I couldn't be employed, per se, in a normal employment. Like, I know that there's a lot of things I wouldn't be able to do. And if I, I've always been aware of that, like, since I was in school and a teenager, and I was aware that, like, 
if I didn't do something different, then my life would be very grim and like very miserable and not very enjoyable. So I had to build or or cultivate a life that that caters to that. It's like the 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 pain leading to growth. The example you gave earlier of 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 having to do something because the failure is so painful and not an option. Can I ask about your lymphedema, mate? Like, yeah, you of course. Uh, whatever about, you want. Like, when you what you learned about, like, when you learned you had it and what it is and what uh, effects it's had on your life. Yeah, so basically, it's a uh, it's degenerative. So over, it's not like when when I say degenerative, you'll probably think of someone like Parkinson's is gonna, you know, die very in in the not so distant future. It's it's more like it's de- de- degenerative to my mobility and not curable so there's nothing they can do to cure it or make it better uh, at the minute um and then it's just meant to gradually get worse as you get older um and, and what it is is the way i explain it to people is starting from like a very basic level you have your lymphatic system which is almost like uh we, we know about our veins and our vascular system it's almost like a very small or or a or a miniature system of veins that go around our body and kind of line similar areas to where our veins and capillaries might be and then it basically, rather than it carrying around blood, it carries around tissue fluid. Um, so it carries around lymphatic fluid, clear lymphatic fluid. Um, and that's actually the way that, going into it too much, but the way that that's formed is it's as a byproduct from blood. So our, our blood will leave our capillaries, go into our cells, and then it will basically form this, this lymphatic fluid. And the lymphatic fluid um, is involved in your immune system, is involved in the removal of, of waste products. So this is what the, the lymphatic system is involved in this. Um, swelling. So if you bang your arm and it swells up, it's going to be lymphatic fluid that has like, caused that swelling. It's not blood um, unless you have a hematoma. Um, so like, it's it's pretty pretty important. Um, and it's also involved in, in things like relating to removal of cancerous cells etc etc so it does it's a very you need it basically and in my body so it's like a a one-way system in my body i've got damage to the lymphatic system where it doesn't function properly so it doesn't flow properly um this particularly affects my left leg so it basically means that the lymphatic fluid can obviously it starts as blood so it, it comes out the blood um, the blood goes into my leg and then when the lymphatic fluid is formed it kind of it can't leave properly so it means that i'll get swelling in my leg a whole left leg um it makes you prone to infection if i cut it um, and a plethora of other things and then i've also this problem extends up into my groin um in green or re- in green or in green or region um by my kidneys as well or kind of like below my kidneys in that groin region down on my left side um and yeah man um it, it basically a lot of it, it, different people suffer in different ways but the biggest one for me is just swelling on the leg so i have to wear a compression support on my leg 24 7 to manage the swelling um which basically looks like a big black suspender um and that kind of squeezes squeezes everything together stops it from swelling up um and then as well like i said if i cut it i get issues if i'm standing up stationary i get big problems so the leg will like swell quite a bit so i can't spend too long on my feet um and i have to sleep with it elevated at night um i have to raise it um every single night and then i have to wear the leg support pretty much every single day and and it's kind of like if you let it get bad um then you just dig the hole deeper and deeper to yourself so what can happen is the excess lymphatic fluid in the in the limb can cause something called fibrosis which is basically a build up of scar tissue so like over time 
what can happen um, is you gradually get the uh, build up, the skin gets thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker as more and more fibrosis builds up. And then that can that will eventually decrease lymphatic function more and more and more and more. And it kind of has this like negative snowball effect where you can end up with something like elephant titus, like the, the elephant man with his big ass, grotesque looking looking limbs. So yeah, um, that's basically that's basically that. And there's a whole it's just quite nasty, mate. Like you can get things called oh, what's it called? Is it like a lymph? It's you can you can get things happening as well. Um, like for example, you can have like a permanent leaking of lymphatic fluid from your leg if like you open it up and it'll just never heal and you'll just be have like a soaking wet foot that's prone to infection or leg that just constantly leaks for the rest of your life um i've had my toenail removed as well on that foot because of swelling gave me an ingrown toenail but i'm not too bothered about that um and yeah man um that's pretty much lymphedema lymphedema 101 it can a lot of people a lot of people have it it's more common in people uh, so it's primary and secondary lymphedema secondary lymphedema is from a injury or surgery um so normally if, if a woman gets a mastectomy or a man even gets a mastectomy um then that can cause lymphedema when you actually get lymph nodes removed um or, or a lot of cancer surgeries like lymphomas things that affect the lymphatic system if they get removed uh lymph nodes removed during surgery that can give you lymphedema as well um or if you're just unlucky like the like a very small percentage of people are like myself then it can be caused by from like a, a genetic basis and just appear um, at some stage in your life life mate thanks for giving me such a, a rundown of that i didn't really how, realize how severe it really was and like what co- caused it and some of the after effects mm. of it you've since i've followed you online you've always shared uh so openly and transparently like your condition you've never shied away from it you never have seemed embarrassed by it or let it hold you back and one of the things I noticed about your content is that you've like had multiple surgeries where you've yeah. like, so your, your whole, your whole world is fitness and physique or, or, or has been in the past and you've built like such a great rig and you've become shredded and uh, put on a lot of weight through lifting weights. And then you'll all of a sudden have to go for a random surgery and then lose it all and then bounce <laughs> back time and time again. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how you do it, mate, how you continually bounce back from those low points. I would say it's easier it's easier to do that than it is to to get somewhere and keep improving because when you when you've had something when you've had a glimpse of something that you've want that you've always wanted and it's like within your grasp or you've or you've had that for a little bit you've had a taste of it and then it all gets taken away from you uh, my my mentality is right fuck it like let's get this back like asap you know and that, that that really motivates me to work and do it and also dude i'm aware as well that the that people might be going through similar shit and then i can either it's the, the whole i can either be a victim or a victor i can be a victim of my circumstances and cry about how difficult my life is and why i haven't got normal functioning legs and then just roll over and die and do absolutely nothing or i can be a victor and not adopt a victim's mentality and like okay look at what i've got play the hand that i've been dealt um and then create the best thing i possibly can with the cards that i've been given and i think by doing that and by showcasing it online that's why recently i hope you don't mind me sharing that you had a a, a transplant in paris Mm. and you had such a large gofundme uh raised for you because so many people were so like willing and eager to help you and i think it's because you've been so transparent about it online oh yeah dude it's fucking nuts i had people like obviously everyone monetary amounts are different for everyone but some people like donate like a grand bro it's fucking insane how much yeah. was that transplant do you mind me asking 
Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Um, it was about 15k. Wow. So, so like, it, it's just apples and oranges, isn't it? To some people, like that's gonna be nothing. To other people, it's gonna be loads of money. Um, but yeah, I could have done. I, I needed the help with it, and I'm glad I did. To be honest, just because I was in a position where I could have scraped together the funds um, for the first surgery, uh, like, and, and I would have managed to do it. Um, but then I think I think initially it's meant to cost around, or I I, I think the original cost was maybe ten or twelve. I bet it came out at about 50. I spent, I have spent 15 on it so far. Um, and I might need another one potentially down the line as well, because it's, uh, it's not a matter of, Oh, you're fixed now. It's like a matter of, okay, two years to wait to see if this thing, the transplant grows in place and see what it does, see if it improves things. And if not, I'd have to go for the subsequent surgeries, but, but yeah, dude, um, always been, I've always been, uh, pretty open about it. And, and I think like, I, I've just tried to be authentic. Like, a lot of people that I really like, and this is what I come to realize on social media and on YouTube, like Louis Armstrong. I fucking love Louis Armstrong in real life and on social media. It's just because he's real. Like he's he'll tell you if he's having a shit day or he's having an argument with his girlfriend. And it's it's like relatable. It's not it's not fabricated, it's not authentic, it's raw and it's real. And I think people respect honesty and people respect being told the truth, even if it isn't always like covered in glitter and snowflakes snowflakes gets glitter and you know <laughs> some shiny shit what was that transplant like why did that have to be done like privately and opposed to being done on the nhs or done locally <laughs> it's gonna i was gonna tell you some elaborate lie about how it's all a elaborate scheme for me to get 15k from my followers <laughs> didn't even have a fucking transplant. I just went to the Maldives. Um, no. You've never, so, you've never even had lymphedema. It's, it's been an Yeah, well, well, I've just, it doesn't even exist. I've just made the condition up entirely. And all you fucking idiots listening and just believe that, like, 10 minutes of explanation. <laughs> yeah. Nah, dude. So, so basically, um, I've had what's called a lymph node transplant. So this is kind of... It's very cutting edge. I think there's one clinic or one hospital that does it in the uk uh, it's private um and there's like a handful of others um so there's a couple of treatments for lymphedema so the easiest way to think of like lymphedema like the most simplistic thing is it's like you have a blockage in a pipe basically and then you, the the water can't fr fl flow through the pipe the issue is is that everything is so intricate and small and it's like microscopic like these the, these problems so there's this is like a bit more common. You can do something called a lymph node, uh, sorry, a, a lymphatic bypass, which is similar to like a, a, a bypass surgery that you do if you had a heart attack. Where what you what you'll do is you'll take the where the lymph node is, uh, the lymphatic vessels are blocked, and then you'll sew the lymphatic vessel to a vein. So then it kind of bypasses the blockage and it drains into a vein, and then that can alleviate some people in certain cases. But this one, this has kind of been around for a good few years and it uh, doesn't work in a lot of people. Like the type of lymphedema I have, uh, secondary, uh, sorry, primary, um, which is genetic based, is notoriously difficult to treat. Like a lot of the treatment is all in, in mechanical cancer, like kind of lymphedema that's been acquired through that because it's just more black and white. Um, and I, I was, I'm not eligible for that anyway, um, that kind of surgery because I'm, I'm screwed. Um, and, but the one, the surgery that I got, like I said, it's called a lymph node transplant. So what they do is they take some lymph nodes from elsewhere in your body, um, usually under your armpit by your ribs, because you have lymph nodes throughout your body. 
um, they'll use, do something called a fluoroscopy first just to make sure that which basically is a, a radioactive nuclear medicine technique as far as I understand that just shows where the lymphatic channels are where the lymphatic fluid is where the lymph nodes are and then based on that you can kind of determine okay i've got like five lymph nodes here say for example i could probably get rid of two of them and everything's going to function fine so then what they'll do is they'll cut out a few lymph nodes from one region and then implant them into another region in a graft um, where they're needed almost like a mini kidney transplant like they'll then sew sew up the the blood supply to that tissue um the, the arteries the veins then the idea is through like the, the doctor that did the surgery on me um dr becker in paris she's absolutely wonderful i was gonna say sick but i didn't <laughs> absolutely sick um she's she's actually she's the person that pioneered the surgery itself so it's incredibly incredibly rare um so i don't really understand how it works the idea is is that the like, like a bit like a, the, the roots of a tree like one when the lymph nodes in place it will lymphatic will grow out from it and uh assist in assist in the recovery basically or, or or making things making things better reducing the swelling reducing the symptoms of of lymphedema uh and the other question you asked uh, why don't they get up the nhs the nhs uh it doesn't exist in the nhs um like there's it's they they there's very little support it's quite bad so like everything it feels like a battle in terms of like my, obviously it's great that i'm not that i'm able to get for example prescriptions and not pay very much um, but it's, it's difficult, man. So it's cause it's, it's, there's not a lot known about it at all. And it's so rare. Like people that have the condition are pretty much left to their, their own devices. And if you're diagnosed with it in the UK, the vast majority of people are just going to be told like wear a compression garment and, and good luck. Like that's pretty much and send slap them on the back and send them on their way. And there's this like, uh, there's this culture or this, um idea even if you go to like specialist lymphedema centers like on the nhs or go to yeah that surgery is bad and surgery will make it worse so there's like this fear of any kind of surgical intervention and if you have the condition like there might be one person listening who has it um there you'll you will be told like not to get surgery and like to stay away from it and to avoid it at all costs um just based on like premise because what they would do previously it's like I told, talked about earlier, build up of like fibrotic tissue. They would do uh, do liposuction on the leg to just cut, like actually reduce the volume of 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 the actual leg when all this tissue is built up. But that can further damage the lymphatics. So like it's always been, don't get surgery. Surgery is bad. So yeah, um, the, the NHS basically does the bare minimum and uh, doesn't doesn't offer. A, it's pretty awful. Like the something that really the the more you know, the worse it gets. So. The, something that really got me was a, someone that had the surgery before me was this little little baby who was like two one or two years old who had lymphedema in his leg um and dr becker was saying to me she was like oh yeah the, the baby will be completely cured like it will be it will have no lymphedema like it will be like she's done this numerous she's done thousands of these surgeries and i was just there like if that same baby got diagnosed with the same condition in the UK, they would live their life with this debilitating condition that would cost the NHS hundreds, if not millions of pounds and be, for the vast majority of people that have to work on their feet, probably be crippled by the time they're like 30, 40, depending on the severity of it. Yet, if it's in Paris, the baby gets the surgery, I think it's probably for free on the Paris healthcare system or incredibly cheap because they got very good healthcare. And the baby won't even know it's had this condition which would ruin its life in England. It's nuts, man. It's fucking insane. 
These sliding door moments are mental where a person can go like one way or the complete opposite. It's mental that like similar to that, by you creating content or picking up a camera like ten plus years ago, um, you've built a following that trust you and support you to the point that you were supported in getting the surgery and now you have your own funds that you can get the second if you need it. But if you never picked up that camera or decided to document your journey, um, like you would have probably had the same symptoms that you've got anyway. Um, mm. And now because of what you've done online, the kind of value that you've provided people and the trust that you've given people, they feel somewhat generous to support you. And because of that, I, I mean, I know you're hardworking anyway, so you would have found a way to make make that money. Uh, if yeah. you did something completely different but it's crazy how by just picking that camera up for the first time has led to like positive health outcomes bizarrely 10 years on oh yeah dude i often think about this um i just try not to think into it too deeply but it's just crazy the the, the butterfly effect that things have but but then are, are we are we traces are we backstepping and looking for events to kind of push rationalize you, yeah there's, there's yeah. so many things day to day i think it's just like a, a black hole that's not worth delving into because there's so many little things that are gonna that, that we've done in the past that drastically influence or, or, or the outcome of wherever you are like, like me and you sitting here right now i'm sure you could have done one thing differently in your past life and this never would have happened this conversa conversation definitely man I, I do think we overthink it i think we find comfort in making sense of the past when sometimes it is just what it is uh i want to bring the, the kind of tone of the podcast a bit later man we've been going into your story <laughs> going into the health stuff um i want to talk about when you would sneak into festivals like i used to love oh, yeah. those videos like oh, that was like <laughs> the boldest and most brash things that you, you ever posted mate like where, yeah. did, where did that come about were you just too skint for a ticket you decided let's see if we can get away with this and then it just became an addiction <laughs> i think it was it was actually the the I don't know, man. So it wasn't. It it the main reason was the thrill of it, or is like the thrill of it, you know, like the the. Let me just change the light real quickly. There we go. Yeah, the the main reason was the excitement of it, and so much goes into it, and the adrenaline rush from it is fucking insane. Like I would get, like my heart rate would be double doing that than it would be me skydiving, for example. Like. It's absolutely nuts. Um, but when we were doing that as well, like all the festival break-ins that we were doing and filming and making videos of, like we didn't have a lot of money as well. So it's like, that was that was the other thing. Um, not being able to afford to go to festivals, wanting to go to the festivals. Uh, so so we would like, I would like get my mate Tom and we'd be like, we would like split petrol or, or whatever and then drive it to the festival and then make some YouTube content and break in. But, but the, the, the main reason was the actual adventure and the journey itself of actually doing this like ridiculous, ridiculous thing. And some of the, some of the stories, man, or just like some, a lot of people thought it was fake. Um, and we, that nah, we didn't fake. I was trying to think if we had, but we, we, did not fake a single festival break and everything is legit and some of the ways you got in were absolutely ridiculous can you tell me some stories from the festival breakings what was your favorite one <sighs> the probably the craziest or one of the craziest was it's just weird man you, you realize as well kind of backpedaling a little bit you realize how much confidence comes into play as in, if you have confidence, if you are somewhat a figure of authority, 
if you're sure about what you're saying and the way that you say it and the the and just like walk talk and act confidently people aren't going to question you um the the men most mental one was probably cream fields uh that was probably the craziest one where we drove in with no credentials nothing through the stage or the artist entry round um round like the <laughs> backstage the security and police pulled the car over they made us get out the car they searched the entirety of the car for like drugs and like sniffer dogs and everything i think it's just maybe a policy going into the backstage area and like we were just like making jokes like oh yeah don't find all the cocaine we've got under the spare wheel officer like ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and and they didn't even bother to check if we had credentials to actually be in there so they you know because what sort of what sort of person is going to drive to the most secure point of the festival and then <laughs> be like laugh, like making jokes and and laughing and then not even have the the right credentials to get in there um i think i'm breaking this one into two actually because the one we got searched once we were in there we then managed to we would just buy like bulk packs of vinyl wristbands um we then just got random colored vinyl wristbands that look kind of similar this is the biggest one dude I've, i do this i literally did this the other like a few months ago pretty in i can't remember when it was at print works um is you just walk up like you're in a rush like you're important with confidence and like do the opposite of what they expect and they are gonna let you in so for example vinyl blank vinyl wristbands you walk up to security. I've done this countless times. Um, it doesn't always work, but the I'd say like 90% of the time it has. You walk up to security and I will literally like roll back my sleeve like this, put the wristband like this as I'm walking by, like, all right, mate, in his face. It could be the complete wrong wristband, but they're just going to be like, oh yeah, cool. Like what? Because what sort? they're going to be looking for people that are shifty, people that are trying to like hide their wrists like with their mates. Like what sort of person with a fake wristband it's gonna be like yeah here you go mate like literally so they can inspect it and they're just like yeah go through um but yeah print works man um that's quite funny i did the same thing with getting into the backs on the stage at print works because my girlfriend i had uh i've got a lot of friends that are artists and one of them are playing and i had like uh, an artist wristband so i could get onto the stage but she didn't and was super strict on it so we just we i tried to like sweet talk be like ah oh, um can you come on with me she's all by herself security were like no um so then we went away for half an hour came back and then she didn't even have a band on her wrist i don't think um no she didn't even have a band on her wrist so she just held into my hand and then we we're like as we we're walking through in a rush quote unquote just like yeah here you go mate put the band in his face he shined a torch on it and then we just kept walking and didn't even realize <laughs> she didn't have a wristband on but yeah dude that that's uh that's a pretty crazy one um in, in terms of oh, there was one we did that same thing in creamfields um with high visits and we walked through the like main entrance so like we this is so uh, so bad this is on youtube this one i think as well uh, they're both on, i think they're both on youtube so we um and the other thing as well bro is when we're doing this a lot of the time is we'd have like drugs on us <laughs> like <laughs> i'd have like a fucking couple of pingers or something or some like a, a bit of mdma so it's like the stakes were high <laughs> mate and um uh, and anyway so we would like there was this the big queue to get in like where they kind of the where they check the security checkpoint where they check everyone's bags they check you have the tickets and they give you a pat, pat down we put on high visits we had a <laughs> blank generic vinyl wristbands 
and we just decided to walk straight past the queue like everyone queuing up we're like excuse me like really loud like there's like four of us i think it's me tom alex might be three maybe one more i think it's three we're like excuse me coming through coming through production production like getting everyone out of the way like causing a bit of like a ruckus literally just walk to the front pushing everyone out the way everyone's just letting us through because we're in high visits and then we get to the security and there's dogs a couple of security guards and i'm like um production mate we run late we gotta get to the stage and then uh we just keep walking <laughs> the guy's kind of like <laughs> kind of like yeah whatever and then someone shouts at my mate tom and he's like oi like one of the security guards and he's like like you can't be wearing that high vis <laughs> and then i think tom's like shitting himself at this point and uh and he's like oh you can't be wearing that high vis like tom turns around looks at him the other security guard that we just walked past just goes, goes like mate they work here <laughs> let, him, let him go <laughs> he's like mate they work here and then he's like oh sorry mate and then we just fucking walk on our way into the into the festival and that is that is that bad man you have you've lived like nine lives man with all the stories that you you have to tell I, I want to move on to uh, now think about this is nuts you started your own like supplement company was okay as yeah. well and you started yeah. a whole movement and, and cult as well tell me more about that oh man yeah so i started uh started a supplement company um that's fucking sick wobs pre-workout we called it and it was kind of like i kind of used the, the term wobs based off the idea of uh the sound like a, a speaker makes at a festival or a sound system when you're mashed up i was like that'd be funny just call it that um and yeah dude started this started this company um wanted just to make this really really well efficacious dosed pre-workout that actually worked um ultra high stim um hence why it's called wobs ultra uh blew your face off basically and and just was kind of bored of like stuff like my, my protein was coming out with and like the the a lot of the pre's on the market that were what they called uh, proprietary blends proprietary blends that didn't really do much like, i wanted something that actually felt like you were on drugs or actually you know did, did something so started started that one a good few years ago man and me you were selling out all the time i can never get my hands on it to try it oh bro it, it, it went it went wild um it went really really well um in the first yeah in the first year of tra trading we did we did very good um very good why did it come to an end man it's nothing too exciting. So it's a couple of reasons. Um, number one was the ingredients that we had in were shipped from China. Um, so it's manufactured in the UK. It's put together in the UK. But the actual raw ingredients are from China. Um, and then during COVID, it's getting harder and harder to get stuff. Um, there were clampdowns on certain ingredients in there as well. Um, so certain things were like, I can't remember who they were but the, they were coming after certain ingredients, which were like the core ingredients of the product, things that made it what it was. And then I had a bit of a falling out with my business partner as well. We didn't see eye to eye. We kind of wanted to take things in different directions. And then it just got to a point where just both like, yeah, um, we're going to have to, let, let's, let's sack this off. It's becoming like with factoring in these things um, and factoring in the way that it's going, like it's probably going to be not sustainable. It's going to become something that neither of us want it to be. So then we made a decision to stop trading. But it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Um, I didn't walk away with a, like, we did, in the first year, uh, again, like, businesses do a lot better. Obviously, oh, this is terrible. I think it's gross. Um, we grossed. Grossed is total money in, not factoring anything else, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we, we grossed over six figures, which is pretty mad. But obviously, the business is a separate entity to myself. And then we just made some poor decisions and got fucked over by some people and, like, websites and other things. 
Um, and then, yeah, bro, like the final payout I got from it was like two grand. <laughs> <laughs> so lessons have been learned, mate. Um, it just goes to show that I am capable of doing that. And I think it's just a matter of like keeping chipping at it, trying. Remember we were talking about earlier that everything and everybody's accessible to us. If you work hard enough, you can get what you want. Like who would have thought little Mo from Cornwall with his two sisters and his single mom, but this kind of debilitating degenerative condition from such a small town would go on to like <laughs> create six figures in a, a, a supplement company. Uh, well, but it seems like this I, I is never, a creative, man. Yeah, well, I was going to say, well, I never actually created the six, I touched the six figures, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, I mean, honestly, you've lived nine lives. Like, it seems like you're, what you do, you like, you pick a domain, you excel at it, and then you just get onto the next and continue to do that. Like, like a life of continuous improvement, continuous novelty, con- continuous intensity almost. I'm just yeah. thinking about the time you got choked out by John Jones now. Like, so many different oh, yeah. random thoughts. Like, I guess. how the hell did you get choked out, choked out by John Jones? How oh, the hell did that come around? That's I am. Um... Yeah, bro, that's a, that's a good one. I, I actually, that's if I meet, like, I got recognized quite a lot for that um, afterwards <laughs> for the guy that's chucked up by John Jones. And also, like, I met, uh, it's it like two, three years ago now, pretty like three years ago. And like, I'll meet someone and it will maybe come up in the conversation. Um, one second. Let me ignore that. There we go. I'll meet someone, <laughs> it'll come up in the conversation. And, uh, and then I'll be like, or, or I'll mention it like we're talking about cool stuff that's happened and then they would have seen the video and they'd be like no way that was you and I was like yeah uh, that happened quite recently in Finland actually but, but yeah man basically um, long story short we're uh, we're both with so I'm with Vanquish um, I think Johnson Olga with Vanquish um, but we were in FIBO in Germany which is like a fitness expo and um, we were on the same booth so like you meet and greet people and uh, and yeah it's just like at, we're both athletes on on the same booth. Obviously, John is a completely different caliber to me. Like I'm hardly a, hardly an athlete. Well, technically, technically I'll, I'll I'll take it. Um, and yeah, and my manager Rambeer, absolute legend. Um, he, he always like we'd fuck with each other, and he was like fucking me, being like trying to like scare me, being like Mo, I'm gonna get John Jones to to choke you out on the booth, blah blah, blah and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Um, and then I didn't actually know, this isn't like me trying to be like, oh, I didn't even know who it was. I didn't actually, I didn't really follow <laughs> MA. So I didn't actually know who John Jones was. Um, I knew that obviously from the EU that it was like the light heavyweight champion of the world or it was like a big deal in MMA. But I, I never really, I didn't follow that closely. I knew McGregor and, you know, I didn't didn't really watch it. So I didn't actually realize how big of a big deal he was, which is was quite funny um, because afterwards I realized he was a pretty fucking big deal. Um, and then, and then, so I was like, I can't remember if it, my manager or me, I think it might be my manager maybe asked him, was like, do you want to choke out, or would you choke out Mo? Um, like, choke him unconscious. And he looked at looked at uh, like us or my manager like we're fucking nuts. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, he was like, let me, he was like, let me check with my manager because John Jones' manager was there. Um, and then I was like, okay, this is definitely not happening then. Like, there's no way his manager is going to let him fucking choke me out. And then he looked at his manager, this fucking American dude, and he was like, yeah, let's, yeah, like, hell yeah, let's do it. And I was like, well, it's on. And then, uh, long story short, um, got me in a, sat me down, got me in a rear naked choke, <laughs> and then choked me to the point of unconsciousness. It, well, it wasn't actually, it wasn't weird, because you'd think, like, there'd be some, like, panic, or, <laughs> because it's not, I think it is actually, it's the, the restriction of blood to the brain 
rather than the build up so the urge to breathe comes from a increase in carbon dioxide rather than a depletion of oxygen um so that's what makes you if you hold your breath that makes you want to go that's what that's why you want to breathe in it's not oxygen it's carbon dioxide um i think that's also linked to that feeling of panicking if you can't breathe so because it is my blood being starved to my brain i was literally just there pretty chill relaxed and next thing i know i'm on the floor with my legs up feeling like i've come out of the the most intense ashes acid trip of my life that's mental and what was uh john jones reaction to that because he does that for a living was he just like oh there's a there's a kid knocked out did like whereas i can imagine everyone else around you was like panicking and trying to like make sure you're okay where she's kind of he he knew what to do he's obviously choked people out in the past in (laughs) jiu-jitsu i think i don't think it's a common thing like i doubt i very much doubt he would do it um but I don't, I don't think it, um, I don't think he'd done it before to someone like in that kind of like someone that's been like oh yeah he checked me out like it didn't seem like he had but obviously he's been uh, done a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu so he like put my legs up knew what to do and just like knew I wasn't gonna die <laughs> and then I was like came to complete like holy fuck like it felt insane gave him a hug and was like mate that was in- insane and he was like did you get oh, a chance I'm- to hang around with John Jones much or like talk to him what was he like I was a really cool dude, like really, really cool dude. He's just, uh, just like I, I, don't, I know. Sometimes I see like things like the media going off at him about stuff. Like I don't really look in, watch the news, or look into it. Um, but from my interactions with him, seems like a fucking really chill guy, like funny dude. Just seems like a real down to earth, nice guy. Um, I think at one point I really, there was like a slim chance I could go to his ranch and shoot guns. I imagine I was talking about like arranging it and sorting it out, especially when it was with Vanquish, but I got it. It never happened, man. It never happened. We still follow each other though. So maybe, maybe one day it'll happen. But, but I think, I think the fact like going off on a bit of a tangent, um, the, the fact that I wasn't really aware of who he was, I just spoke to him like a normal person. And like, obviously he likes, he likes that like when someone is people don't like to be put on a pedestal at all times you know they like to be spoke to like a normal human that they are so i think i i get on i'm i'll meet people that are i don't know in certain places um or like artists or whatever i'll just speak to them completely normally be it i'm oblivious to who they are or like i don't really care so much and then i'd get on get on with people quite well due to that that's sick man i hope he makes a, an appearance on uh your podcast which you've seemed to have relaunched <laughs> Tell me, tell me about the podcast, man. Why, why have you re- relaunched that? Why did you start it? Why did you give it up? And why are you bringing it back? Um, so the the reason why did I give it up in the end? I can't really, I can't remember why I originally gave it up. Um, I think like uh, you, you can pretty relate to this actually. Um, just I didn't feel like there was a direct, a direct. I, I didn't feel like it was having a lot of impact. Like people would share it, people would would message me about it and stuff, but I felt like there there isn't a section for comments, there isn't a section for likes per se, like very obviously, there isn't like that that system to give you dopamine when someone's commented, it'll be like, oh wow, that's an amazing podcast, Mo. It's like the feedback for a podcast is, is very small. And I felt like I wasn't having a very big impact. I felt like I was wasting my time. Um, I felt like I wasn't really doing much with it so i decided to stop it just because i felt like it's just like, like a drop in the ocean in terms of what i did and and then the reason i i brought it back is because i've always i've always had like an inkling to bring it back like i've really enjoyed doing them which is one of the reasons that i'm on your podcast right now like i like talking to people i just think that like, how often do you get to have a conversation with someone that's like just a conversation with someone without distraction it's very rare in this day and age and that i, I would after i stopped doing it as well uh, I would still get like one, two years after it, people messaging me about when's the podcast coming back? When are you going to do a podcast? Um, 
like bring like, i would get people like literally two years after like messaging me like on a weekly basis and i was like this is fucking insane and then i had the surgery come up and i was like all right if i raise the money i'll do i'll guarantee i do 10 episodes um and then then we'll go from there so that, that's kind of the reason man i just wanted to it's multifaceted i wanted to create something that was impactful and could benefit people i wanted to create something where i could kind of speak because it's selfishly like therapy for myself i find just like being able to talk and then i'm a big fan of podcasts myself and like stuff like for example i i really like joe rogan and the reason i like joe rogan is it's just two people having a conversation um and it's just like two real people talking about stuff and i wanted to kind of i wanted to i wanted to do that and go down that route of just having conversations with cool people that i find that do interesting things that i that i like and if someone can benefit from that as well then that's fucking fantastic i like that man it seems like your podcast mindset has like matured from the first time to the second time like the first time it was like very like data driven like how many downloads how many plays and then mm. the second time around now that you're starting again it's because you just want to explore people and like think out loud and learn about yourself and think about the world and um yeah connect with different people it seems like the reason you started at both times are, are very different yeah i i would say so and i think as well it's I'm trying to do it because I enjoy it. That's another thing. Um, I've got this this crippling thing where I'm on a constant quest for purpose. Like I want some, I want everything to be. I I feel like sometimes I feel like I don't have one thing. Like I don't have this thing that is my purpose. And I know that it's something that's completely fabricated. And the idea of purpose is completely mental. But it's like I I feel like I at times I or I've always felt like throughout my life I I don't have that. I, I felt like oh yeah I've started to go in a certain direction. But then, what is it? Like, what am I? You know. I I found purpose in in this podcast being a podcaster. I often introduce myself as a podcaster if I'm yeah. in a social situation. But whereas you've got so many things going on, um, yeah. and I can imagine the first time around where you were balanced, like probably RET at the time, mm-hmm. your your online coaching brand, Wobs, and everything else. Like podcasting takes so much bandwidth, so much energy, so much time. And I can imagine you didn't really have as much time and identity to pour into as you do now. Yeah, yeah. There's a limited... Something I've come to realize is there's only so much, so many hours in a day. There's only so much time that you can spend doing something. And if you try and do everything or many different things, then you're pretty much... Everything is guaranteed to fail. And it's like the people that do well are known for one thing, like golf, Tiger Woods... um, I don't know, uh, golf, Tiger Woods, uh, car racing, uh, Michael Schumacher. Um, it's not like Tiger Woods, that golf guy and the guy that makes YouTube videos or Michael Schumacher, the guy that played or, or raced cars and then DJed. It's like that one thing. But, but I'm, I might be completely wrong on this. I kind of feel like you have to go through phases of trying things and then you kind of settle into something and then give up the other things and you have to decide which is the most meaningful. I think so too. Like I'm thinking about two guests that have been on the, the podcast that have kind of brought this to life. A psychologist called Dr. Meg J. Um, okay. You may have seen her TED talk online. It's got like 10 plus million views. Um, and she's got a book called The Defining Decade, Your 20s and How to Make the Most of Them. And she yeah. basically describes your 20s as a, like a explorative phase where you basically collect so many pieces of information through experiences. And you have a, a really multifaceted identity where you're constantly doing loads of different things. And then as you enter your 30s, you then pick the one thing that you're really great at or you really enjoy or both and then become known for that thing. So I think yeah. it's it, we shouldn't put too much pressure on ourselves in our 20s to be the one thing. But then when Seth Godin on, came on the podcast, he was like, aim to become a superstar at one thing because you never care 
if your dentist is also good at failing his taxes? Yes, I, re- I read his book actually. That's what, yeah, that's that's what I know the name. Is that Seth Gordon the Dip? Is that the book called The Dip? Oh no, the, the, maybe it's some. I've read The Dip, so maybe we get mixed up. But I've, there's literally a book called The One Thing. The One Thing. Oh, I've not come is across it that. By, oh, it's really good. It's basically exactly what I was just talking about. Um, fantastic book, dude. One of the books that I read because of you that you posted it a while ago. I think I may have DM'd and asked you what it was. It was uh, The Four Agreements. Uh, yes. Really loved that book. I, I remember that yeah. was like your Bible. It's a bit like, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's good. I feel like it's a bit, it's a bit iffy, but there's some, definitely some takeaways from there. Awesome. Let me, Mate, well, I know we've been on. Sorry, I was just going to say, um, the one thing is by, oh, someone called Gary Keller. I do Gary recommend Kittler. it. It's great. Yeah, it's good. Awesome, mate. I know I've had you for an hour and a half. I know uh, you've probably got food to get, people to see. Uh, I'm being very precious and uh, selfish with your time. If you were to leave the listener, and, and, and given that the listener is an archetype of 16, 17, 18-year-old Mo who's trying to f- make sense of the world, if you could go back and talk to that version of Mo or give him advice, what would it be, do you think? There's a couple of things I'd say to myself. The first one is going to be, it doesn't matter. So kind of don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, the things that you think are big problems or the things that you think are big issues or the worries and concerns that you have don't fucking matter. Like it always works itself out in the end. Um, there's there's no reason to to worry about the opinions of people who you don't aspire to be like like unless i feel like unless someone's on and unless the only advice if you really want to go into it the only advice you should take or the only people's opinions you should really be bothered by are those who are doing the things that you want to do like why the fuck would you listen to everyone else or anyone else and it's very hard to detach from that because we are human at the end of the day and we have some kind of like social filter where we want to be accepted by the tribe but you've got to do your best to kind of overcome that judgment and not give a fuck Use it or lose it as well as a massive one, um, physically and mentally, but mentally being the biggest one. Like if you wanna if you wanna change or if you wanna do something differently or become someone different and you actively take actionable steps to get to that point where you're becoming more like the person you want to be, if you stop doing those things and you will regress to the previous person that you want to be. I think that's a big one as well, man. Um, like like stepping out and then stepping outside the comfort zone, like every opportunity, um, I think around, I don't know, I, I feel like I didn't actually discover that at that time. Um, like you should every, if you're met with something that scares you, you should always lean into fear. It's like conditioning your brain to to do those things that scares you, to take risks, to to step into discomfort and it's it's ultimately going to pay off if you want anything more than a mundane life then you have to be willing to do what other people aren't and then also oh. one more thing i want to add to old mo actually is um when it comes to like confidence uh meeting girls or insecurities everyone's insecure about something you know there's no one that isn't insecure about anything at all and you could be the most perfect or perceived perfect person in the world and you're always going to be unhappy about something um i think that the 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 majority of insecurity well obviously insecurities in your own head the majority of people are too self-absorbed and don't fucking care to actually be bothered by your shit and then if you want to get over that insecurity you have to deliberately 
pursue it like do the things that scare you like go into that step outside of your comfort zone um if you're insecure about your hairline shave your hair off you know or speak to someone about your hairline or if you're insecure about some black thing you wear on your leg like i used to be very insecure about it wear shorts um do the things that you fear the most and that is the way how you'll get over them i think so many people are in this mindset or they're like they just love their little comfortableness they're too scared to leave they're too scared to do anything that that's gonna disturb that peace and comfort that they have and then nothing is gonna fucking change you're gonna remain the same mentally and if you want to actually grow and become something different and become something better and transform it's it, the only people that are going to do that are going to be the people that actually are willing to address and like seek that pain and discomfort head on i love it mate i think that might be my trailer clip for the podcast um sound, yeah. sound advice mate it's been great to have you on like i said at the beginning of the podcast i've watched you for uh six seven eight plus years and it's going back to that sentiment of work so hard until your idols become your mates like this is a testament to that, mate. It's, it's been a yeah. pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming along. If we're the same post to anyone to your work online, where can they find you, mate? Yeah, mate. Thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me, first of all, dude. And it's been a pleasure to speak to you over the last hour and a half. But uh, Mo Samuels, M-O-S-E-M-U-L-S on Instagram. Um, I might not come up. I don't know yet. I've been shadow banned for, a, for some people for a while. Uh, or Mo Samuels on YouTube. Um, and then coaching fitness stuff. Zeke Incubator is uh, where I'm at. Awesome, mate. Fantastic, dude. Thank you. And there we have it. Another episode. Thank you for sticking to the end. You mean the world to me. You really, really do. I can't believe you trust me with over an hour of your time and attention. And you trust my voice. You trust the stories that I like to share. You guys mean the absolute world to me. I don't know where I'd be without you. I don't know where I'd be without this podcast. It's my absolute everything. Please, please, please do what you can to send love to this podcast. Engage with the sponsors. And then engage with me share this podcast as far as you can make it go whether it's in work group chats whether it's your aunties your uncles your mum, your dad your brother your sister your friends anyone who needs to be self-developed even further send us their way and give me a five star if you're listening on apple podcasts or on spotify hit that five star button i'm really really proud of this episode and i'm really proud to call you listeners hope to see you in the next one